welcome to the Attitude Era podcast, episode number 12. 12 episodes already. Hello, everyone, once again. I'm Kevin Mahan, your host, and as always, joining me in this critique of the Attitude Era, my cohorts, comrades, and colleagues. First of all, Adam Biblo. Hello, Adam. How are you? Good day. I'm very good, thank you. How are you, Kevin? I've got a bit of a sniffle. I noticed, yeah. Uh, So he's going to be like Mick Foley on the ECW. All over again, yeah. Um, so yeah I'm going to try and edit out all the sneezes but you never know Um, and to my left uh, Mr. Billy Keeble how's it going Billy hello I'm alright are you in the mood for a St. Valentine's Day massacre yes I am you gotta love a pay-per-view that's named after a mass shooting yeah Yeah, I know all over the line yeah in, in 20 years time you know People reviewing the uh, the, the Columbine, <laughs> the Columbine, the uh, TNA like, Bloody Sunday. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, St. Valentine's Day Massacre. We're on the road to WrestleMania. One more before the rage and climax. It is the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. I can guarantee you, number one, that I will beat your ass up and down every side of that damn place. Not one corporate member will ever interfere. My man. There will be bloodshed, and it ain't gonna be mine. The World Wrestling Federation for you will never, ever, ever be the same again. WWF St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Alrighty, there we go. First and foremost, gotta mention at the uh, at the top of the hour there that amazing music in that intro package reminds me of Fallout Three. Definitely does, Fallout yeah, Three. The, the way the music wobbles and doesn't actually keep its pitch. Nice black and white motif. Yeah, it was really cool. But good lord, out of left field. It's so unlike WWE to yeah. do a WWF. Sorry, to do a little weird. Like completely stylized promo like that, they never do stylized. Yeah, it's just purely because it's purely because of the name of the pay per view. Obviously, I, I like it. I think it's brilliant. It's just it's very odd. They I, never do anything. You'll like get that. a lot more. Of this is the edge here. Goes forward. Them kind of you know experimenting, experimenting a little bit. You know. Obviously, we still got some of the same tenants there, like repeaty voice and oh, I, after a lot the, of Vince. After so. the, the opening romance bit, it goes back to It was business formula, as usual. Yeah. yeah. Back but, to um, formula. It was funny because um, just before we, we, we did this episode, I had people non-stop on Twitter. They were saying that this is their favourite uh, opening like by far. People love it. They love the uh, the creepy music. They love the Valentine's Day motif. And they particularly love that jazzy-ass music that kicks in when Austin starts talking. Like, do 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that music, which would go on to be used a trillion times by WWE for their Rebellion pay-per-views and Luke Gallows' entrance music. <laughs> Although, without that, will you be my Valentine's bit that is in it? It was really cool. I wouldn't say greatest uh, opening promo ever. I, you, enjoy, you, I enjoyed it. You can't beat Freddie Blassie at uh, Unforgiven 98, I think. Yeah, that's no, true. Yeah. Uh, no Dante's Inferno references here. But uh, we basically, again, this is much like the Royal Rumble uh, we seem to get. The, almost entirely the focus here is obviously on Austin and McMahon because this is the main feud going into this. Uh, we're getting a lot of recaps, making them kind of out like it's going to be that this is the, the final chapter somehow, that this yeah. is a, the word conclusion is thrown around a little yeah. bit too much in this pay-per-view for my liking. Cause, closure. Uh, yeah. yeah. Closure. <laughs> no closure. We won't get closure, no. Nothing Not of the sort. No storyline gets closure tonight. Um, no. Uh, the one thing I did like about this, though, was the fact that even though it was meant to be like kind of show what both men have done to each other, it was basically just Austin beating the shit out of Vince. Yeah. yeah. And that uh, you really see Vince's awkward selling highlights. <laughs> like kind of yeah. falling over to one side when he gets certain moves onto it. 
So uh, yeah, we get the the shots of the schematics. We get a nice bit of slow mo as well with Vince. Yeah, the WWF would never <laughs> be the be the same again. And uh, we cut to ringside. We're in Bumble. Sorry, Memphis, Tennessee. Michael Cole. Uh, yeah. So we are in Jerry the King Lawler's hometown, and uh, you know it's quite odd off the bat that you have an arena full of people chanting for Jerry. So Unusual. Many, uh, so many Lawler for mayor signs. Yeah. Well, Lawler was running for actually for mayor. Really? No way. Yes. Really? Uh, Lawler had declared his intent to dip his foot in the uh, Memphis mayoral campaign with his um, background. With his background, <laughs> yeah. anyone can run apparently. Yeah. And, Jesse Ventura um, can do it. I can do it. Jimmy Snooker can do it. Oh, never mind. <laughs> but uh, basically, yeah, he 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 didn't do so hot but um, I mean yeah. it, not just any wrestler can do it I suppose yeah. is what I'm saying he's a hero here in Memphis though because you've got Jerry Lawler kind of going Steve Austin's going to be begging for mercy I was like Jerry Jerry <laughs> right, uh, right off the bat though with it being in his hometown you think oh yeah King's going to be on top form tonight hometown arena he's going to be knocking it out of the park he has got such a sore throat it is so distracting yeah. and it's I mean you think we wouldn't mention it this early but it, you know because usually it's, you know, entrances get sore throats. It happens all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, Cole has happened a couple of times. Jim Ross has happened loads. loads. But honestly, this is the only time I can remember it happening to Jerry, and it's particularly noticeable because really it's bad. at the start of the pay-per-view. Yeah. You're and, done. and all throughout, literally, yeah, the entire night. So it's time for our opening contest, and this is perhaps the strangest... Um, selection of opening contests in some time very we've, out there yeah, yeah we just... have we've had fanciful notions of what we think an opening match should be and what makes a, a good opening match and you know we always like oh fast paced kind of hard work but but no we've got Goldust versus Blue Dust in possibly the oddest pairing to start off the pay-per-view start off the yeah. pay-per-view I mean I think I thought it was a thing that you don't open with a comedy or a gimmick match I thought that was wrestling booking yeah well, apparently not they can do whatever they like at St. Valentine's Day Massacre so we've got Goldust coming out obviously who was feuding with Al Snow he stole Al's head mm. and you know just because the job squad you know if you're job squad you're job squad for life basically yeah. as, the, as they say so uh, Blue Meanie had started getting back at Goldust by imitating him doing what he used to do in ECW for, for, for yucks and giggles which is Blue Dust so we got some frankly harrowing shots of a near naked blue yeah. mini yeah. on the Stroke it, stroking himself on a little, mm. a little couch last night on Raw Saturday night you see the special delivery there blue candies and blue flowers you will definitely never forget the name of But that wasn't it, King. There was more to come. Oh, I know. That was revolting enough. But as Goldust went outside to take care of his opponent, all of a sudden he got blue. Turned blue. Woo! Unbelievable. It's insane. Nice. Now, Meany has said in interviews that, you know, Russo came up to him and was like, oh, you know, you should do this. I saw this you did in, in ECW. This would be funny to do it here. So it is just kind of him doing the same thing. But he had blue flowers. Goldust had blue paint dropped on him. Mm. Lot of uh, lot of funding went into this. Uh, yeah, yeah, really sticking with the motif. I have to say, I, I quite I popped quite a bit for Blue Dust's entrance. The fact that it he was comes so out funny. funny as hell with the it? blue lights and the yeah. blue pyro. I say they spent more on Meanie's entrance here than his entire uh, contract while he was with them. I just couldn't stop laughing at how you have Goldust come out and then his music plays exactly the same again yeah. for yeah. Blue Dust. It's You'd like think there'd be some, a, a slight variation. You'd think, wouldn't you? I was a little annoyed we didn't get to uh, exp expose Billy to Blue Meanie's. <laughs> amazing rave music uh, yeah. which he has uh, for most of his run to WBF 
Alas! I couldn't help but think though, because this is the opening match, imagine if you're a non-wrestling fan watching wrestling for the first time, and you say you don't actually realise this is meant to be humorous, you just see these two incredibly deranged men come out. You must think it's like this incredibly dark storyline with these two really disturbed human beings, because Meanie, Meanie is really weird. Meanie's meant to be kind of like funny and goofy and whatnot, but as a kid I always thought he was creepy. If you're not in yeah. on the joke, he must be really like odd and really disturbing. Right? I always thought that Mr. Trick not making Meanie this like kind of like a proper like creepy heel like yeah. you know, just like a real kind of uh, unsettling I think he really could have had yeah, sort of a dirtiness to him. Like and I suppose maybe this is what we'll notice as this match goes on it might be the main falling is that we're meant to be kind of rallying behind Meanie I think he's meant yeah. to be the face here. That, I, I couldn't figure out who was face and who was heel. It's this yeah. a very very Vince Russo um, storyline My- but you can tell off the bat Jerry Lawler fucking hates the blue meanie. Yes, he yeah, does. why? He buries... Before the man even steps in the ring, he's like, this ECW reject, I hate him. <laughs> this fat prick. <laughs> he was, uh, he's, he's properly, like, uh, out to get poor meanie. Uh, Michael Cole doesn't want us to get confused about who, who each other is. So he says, blue dust is covered in blue. For fuck's sake. <laughs> and that's no use because, as we know, Goldust got the blue bath. Yeah, on, he, got, uh, he got blued before. He got Noel's house partied is what happened. Oh, yes, he did. He, he blew himself. <laughs> Oh man, it's a shame that there's not more Meanie matches on the podcast because we could come. Arrested Development Field Day, yeah. <laughs> so Meanie uh, is—he's quite funny in his offense. I like when he's like he shibby and shook jives away like at the yeah. start of the match. You know, he—he's got some cool offense. I don't think he gets some credit. He still has a spinning toe hold, yeah. mm. shades of Terry Funk. That was pretty interesting. And of course, Meanie towards the end of the match busts out the Meanie salt. Amazing! I was unbelievable. Like, it's, it's again like the first time I saw Vader do a moon salt. Yeah, was like, this. This fat bloke's not going to be able to do it. Honestly, D-Lo and now Blue Dust. It was something about the '90s that had fat dudes doing moonsaults. I, I was going to say, I think you know, I, I've, I've as a wrestling fan for many years, I've always been obsessed with what particularly is this that makes me like wrestling, or what makes me just kind of get out of my chair. And it is fat cunts doing moonsaults. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you're, you want me to get me into a new promotion or a new yeah. storyline, you want to get me into Japanese wrestling, Top just the get bill. the fattest pricks on the roster, <laughs> line them up and make them flip over. That should be a pay-per-view in itself. If they yeah. do it right. That should be, that should be a, big, uh, a big package, a big, uh, a big DVD box set. In like 2010, the themed pay-per-views. WWF, fat man moonsaults. <laughs> like the top 50 fat cunts who moonsaults. It's, it's win-win it's win-win if they hit it it's like holy shit that fat cunt did a moonsault yeah. if they fuck it up they're like ah oh, that fat cunt he thought he'd surprise me by doing a moonsault and you it was just five minutes into this he said cunt so many times already one thing you do notice about this I think if this match was on at many in many of the previous pay-per-view crowds that we had it mightn't have gotten the kind of response it got because the crowd are fucking red hot yeah they yeah. are Memphis old school crowd they're happy to be there they love them they love them some wrestling they love wrestling yeah, that's the biggest thing you can tell about this crowd. They actually enjoy wrestling. And despite, you know, a lot of, you know, stuff to the contrary, what I would expect. I mean, on the paper, I didn't think I'd enjoy this match. I mean, I know I'm a, I'm a Blue Meanie fan, but mm. as an in-ring worker, I'm like, opening match, I was like, I'm not going to like this. I found myself enjoying this. Yeah, I'll I be honest. It was a bit I, of a goofy bit of fun. It was a nice short match. At the start, it seemed like it should have been a Monday Night Raw match, but actually, no, this did have a nice place on the card. The it, only issue I had with decent. it was that, again, it was one of these cases where, was it like... Oh, they meant to maybe make the meanie seem like a bigger deal, but in the end, it maybe just made Goldust seem like 
a lesser like, yeah like deal. Mark Henry with the rock a little bit yeah, yeah so you know that that's the only kind of complaint I had about it but uh, yeah Goldust hits the curtain call he fucking hoists the bejesus out gigantic curtain yeah. call yeah and then after the match I think Goldust knows where he is you know Goldust uh, works the crowd up to such he a fever pitch do it, yeah. when he hits that that shattered dreams at the end the crowd goes ape shit so yeah Goldust gold wins good match cut back to Sunday Night Heat Vince McMahon spits in the face of Stone Cold Steve Austin. And here, though, the ultimate insult. Mr. McMahon spat in the face of the Texas Rattlesnake. And then Stone Cold Steve Austin King basically said, I'm going to wipe the spit off my face with your blood. Quite literally. <laughs> literally. I think it's the first time in the podcast we've used the phrase literally correctly, but Vince literally spit in Steve Austin's Stone face. Stone Cold then says the most disgusting line he has ever said in wrestling. This is such a Duke Nukem line. It is, yeah. He says that he's going to wipe off Vince McMahon's spit with his blood. <laughs> Wash it away. Doesn't even make any sense. Yeah, at, least, no. at least spit is, you know, clear. He's going to rub more dirt in it. have even more dirt on his face then, yeah. yeah. It's like some Val Venus has come to wipe that off as well it's, then. It, but it's such a, it's such a an action movie thing to say it's like I'm gonna kick your ass with my foot up your ass you know it's just it, it, it did, I don't think the words meant to come out in that, that manner yeah. I think Billy's gonna be happy about the news here the hardcore title it's only gone and been bloody vacated yeah cause Road Dog's gone and done something like a hardcore fish out of water Road <laughs> Dog it never really says what happened he's to done summer alright he, he just says Road Dog's not here tonight he got attacked backstage. I know it's an audio podcast, but I'm using the uh, finger. Yeah. Inverted commas. I think he may have injured his lungs. Who knows? Uh, um, yeah. Basically, crux of this is that the Hardcore Championship is now up for grabs, and we have the, the job squad imploding. The mecha powers collide. Yeah. yeah. Bob Holly versus Al Snow. And when Al Snow looks at Bob Holly's eyes, the only thing he's going to see is complete and utter rage. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say, actually, right now, yeah, I was disappointed this is Bob Holly and not Hardcore Holly, because... As we all know, they're both completely different characters, and I'm still waiting for the debut of Hardcore. Well, Hardcore Holly literally comes from the basis of this. This is Bob Holly's coming out party, so to I was speak. only joking. I, I just think it is a name change. Is there actually a change in character when he becomes Hardcore Holly? Yeah, he becomes more of a kind of a... Becomes more hardcore, mate. Ba- basically, <laughs> no, he does. He becomes Less more... Less of the Bob, more of the Hardcore, please. Well, no, when, when, when he goes from being like Bob... I mean, Bob Holly was a face. He was like an underdog with the job squad. Hardcore Holly, it was just kind of, you know, turned up a little he's bit. A you know, he's more of a badass. Yeah. You know, he's, he's an egotist. This is one hell of a match. This is serious... This is what Hardcore Division was in WWF. This yeah. exemplifies it perfectly. So um, we start off with some pretty zany, stiff action as the guys literally go hell for leather. Every object yeah. under the yeah. sun. It's uh, not long before they make their way away from ringside and start uh, heading backstage. Yeah, and as they're heading backstage, Michael Cole's giving some background about the match, talking about the Hardcore title, and Bob Holly in particular says that Bob Holly held the title for a cup of coffee. Cup of coffee in the big time, yeah. Cup of coffee in the big time. Cup of coffee in the big time, yeah. I don't like Michael Cole using phrases like cup of coffee. It's not the He says it twice in 10 seconds. He said, he held, the cu- he held the hardcore title for a cup of coffee. And as we also know, he held the tag team titles also for a cup of coffee. And he had a cup of coffee for a short period of time. For a cup of coffee. <laughs> Vince McMahon in the headsets. God damn it, say cup of coffee. There's a lot of uh, Cole being exceptionally bad in this paper. I yeah. think we, we, we were saying at Rumble, like, oh, Cole, I think he's coming into he his had own his moments, bit. but. But nah. by and large, this pay per view, Cole is rubbish. really rubbish. I think it might be that Lawler's losing his voice and Cole is freaked out a little bit yeah. by that. Yeah. But, okay, now here comes the part of the match where I'm a little bit 
confused. And me and Adam watched this together and had a bit of a, a back and forth a bit about of a discussion, it. Yeah. A bit of a discussion, but uh, we'll, 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 we'll discuss it nonetheless. So Bob gets uh, sprayed with a fire extinguisher and he's completely covered you know, and he's all wet. And Al gets a little wet as well. Both guys are kind of wet from all the, the rats around they've been doing and Bob gets loads of like that powder, white powder yeah. on, his, on his tights. Guys cut backstage, they go through the curtain and when the camera comes over, both men are suspiciously dry and Bob Holly's trunks are clean. Now, straight away, my I wrote. I'll tell you what I wrote down here. I wrote down everything is a lie. <laughs> Don't ever dream. So it's it's like that OK Go video because it goes through the curtains. Yeah. And there's a couple of seconds of black before it comes back out again. But when the action ends later on and they come back into the arena and go into the ring, I didn't notice another cut. Actually, no. Now I've said it. Actually, I think there is another another cut. Well, because I mean, so. I wasn't paying attention if there are any more cuts. Because yeah. I mean, later on. So yeah, no. Actually, now I think about it, there is another cut. So it is entirely conceivable that this entire backstage brawl is pre-recorded. They have done. I mean, like they've done it before. Where they've recorded entire backstage brawls. I mean, that's just you know, it, it's the done thing. But it's the fact that it was so seemingly blatant because of the change in. Uh, yeah. But I think that it was. I didn't notice until I Kevin caught I it. Yeah. I think it was just it. you having a particularly sharp eye at that. I don't know. I don't think anyone else is going to really take much attention to it. What do, what do you think at home? Weigh in on this. Tweet Kevin in and let him know why Owner is. <laughs> Get over it, Jesus Christ! Bob is pretty tenacious in this match. Uh, yeah, he's knocking the shit out of him. He is literally—he's beating him like he owes him money. Yeah. Uh, Bob uses everything, including the kitchen sink. I absolutely love this. He's—he's uh, he's just like everything as they're moving. He's just picking up something new and smacking him with yeah. it. Yeah, floor tiles. You get a beer cooler. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, inventive. I like yeah. the way it's not just kind of. You know, oh, we'll use deputy use this. It's just whatever's to hand. Yeah. yeah, there's that kind of a level of madness and unpredictability to these hardcore matches where they go backstage, as opposed to one that'll happen in the ring where you know they'll use trash cans, chairs. Yeah, blah, yeah. Blah, uh, which I kind of like quite a bit about it. I do like as well when they fight by the WWF truck, which has the AOL keywords. I literally yeah. noticed that as well. Yeah. Which is the 1999 version of a hashtag. It's ridiculous. <laughs> AOL keywords. I'd forgotten all about them. So the guys then fight their way into a CCW pay per view. Sorry, outside. <laughs> <laughs> out onto the green green grass in the darkness you yeah. should add to which we get the worst Al Snow line ever now, I, I wrote this line down as well take it away then Billy uh, are you perhaps talking about the I want you to meet my girlfriend yeah. her name is Barbed Wire fuck's sake Barbie Wire you know, I Jesus. find myself off, often defending Al Snow against you know people saying that there's no defending that there's no defending truly that truly dreadful yeah I, I I stopped it and rewound it several times to make sure did he seriously just fucking say that Al, Al then pops Bob into a wheelbarrow and it just topples over <laughs> just yeah. ditch that spot altogether. Um, yeah it's quite funny because now they're outside and they're heading towards the banks of the Mississippi River which yeah. is you know obviously an issue in of itself the fact that there's one camera on them the camera's got a light the ref is there it's like the Blair Witch Project yeah. honestly it's like a snuff film there's a bit where um uh, Bob Holly's lying on the ground and Al Snow is strangling him and you're watching it by torchlight on the dirty forest floor next to some water <laughs> and he's just going ah! <laughs> and they're both it's like they're horrible both, it's really cold out they're both like they're both you can see soaking their breath wet. in the air yeah, yeah they're both soaking wet they're both covered in shit and then it's like Bob Holly breaks a log over Al Snow's head I'm just like Jesus it's Christ really scary S- it, get, it turns so surreal if you told me at the start of the pay-per-view there's going to be a bit of this pay-per-view where they have a fight in a river. Yeah. I yeah. would have told you to fuck off. It, it, it happened. <laughs> it happened. It's absolutely insane. I mean, like, because, you know, they use the Gulf of Mexico always if they're down that neck of the yeah. woods, you know, to throw that in for, for a laugh. 
But I mean, Bob throws Al into the Mississippi River here, mm. and you can tell all like there's all like bottles. Oh, it's disgusting. There's a big yeah. tire. It's like a shit. It's a shitty river yeah. that yeah. all the shit from Memphis flows into, and like they're there wrestling around it. And you think, oh, guy gets thrown in the river. That's usually how these matches end. No, they go another five minutes yeah, after that, on. and uh, they stamber all the way slowly back. Even though you've got all this crazy shit going on, it is still just two guys from a lower end of the card over the hardcore title. And Michael Coggles, there is no doubt in my mind, neither of these men will ever be the same again. <laughs> Jesus. I think he says that after they do the wheelbarrow spot. Yeah. Uh, now, then we get um, another problem with doing the whole outside of it with one camera and the one camera is right on him. Bob spends a good couple of minutes on that fence trying to do That's something. Yeah. He's there for ages and then he goes, ah, fuck it. And he just, you can audibly hear him give up. Yeah, he was, and he was trying go, to wrap up Snow. He then in the goes air. and hits Al Snow in the stomach with a stick, to which Cole says, he got hit in the back with a stick. So Cole cannot now tell Steel stairs and chairs. <laughs> the list of Michael Cole inaccuracies uh, grows ever. ever Grows. Ever grows. So Bob wraps Al up in a fence. Like a hardcore burrito. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Holly, of course, would later go on to win the title by dropping a big net on someone. <laughs> so it's your Scooby Doo win here. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, Bob wins and he's like with the belt and I'm kind of like, Bob, take it back to the ring. Bit of a jog. Yeah. He, he jogs for a, a long... three minutes all the way back to the ring and Tim that's... White looks so out, like, out of shape trying to like, catch up like, with <laughs> they never said they'd be running <laughs> to bury Tim White just have him run just, by the time <laughs> he'll he bury himself him, he's so gassed he's, like, <laughs> he's just trying to lift up Bob Holly's eyes <laughs> we, we, we were giving out before about when Road Dog won the hardcore belt off off Al yeah. he, he like he ran back as well but at least he fucking ran yeah Hardcore Holly's, Hardcore Holly's like he's bringing the Olympic torch to fucking Memphis. <laughs> like, you know. That's where I think you have the second cut because it cuts from the inside of the arena and you see Bob Holly coming in from around the corner. So that could be where they close off Possibly. the pre-record. Because you can see him come through that curtain. So it might be when he went in those doors. Yeah. But we cut back then to Al Snow who's all tied up and they're like, Al, Al, you lost. He goes, do what? <laughs> um, which is kind of funny. Al, of course, you know, still doesn't have head. So he's kind of... His screw is completely loose. I really liked this match. It was maybe three or four minutes too long, though. Should I have ended. A fan. I thought it should have ended by the time they go in the river. But I suppose maybe this is mostly nostalgia for me talking and that I kind of I have fond memories of. You know, I, I'm kind of saying now it's like once a show, someone will go backstage and do something crazy yeah. like this. So I hadn't seen one of these matches in forever. I'll probably get sick of it though by the time we've done. I liked it. More. It wasn't. It wasn't the best hardcore match I've seen by by any stretch of the imagination. But it was. It, I enjoyed it. The main it reason I didn't like it is I think if this was on Raw, I would have loved this match. Mm. But on a pay per view, this is only like the second match of the night, and they're going outdoors and they're just ignoring the arena and everything. Yeah. I, I just don't think you should be spending this much time outdoors on a pay per view. It's just odd to me. Well, get used to it. That's all I can say because yeah. we're going to see a lot of it. All right, we cut back to some strange beings. WWF.com caught up with some strange beings in the locker room area. The Undertaker in his Ministry of Darkness. Nine individual souls combined to make one ministry. Let it be known that on February 14th, St. Valentine's Day Massacre, that the massacre they witness here tonight will be nothing like the massacre that the ministry unleashes from here on. Brother Midian, tonight you step into the ring with the boss man. You will take his soul. You will weaken his body. 
tonight. The power from beyond has spoken to me. Our fate and our purpose in life begins tonight. It looks like the opening fucking video for a Mortal Kombat game. Yeah. All, the, all these wizards, a council surrounding a fire. Like, Taker's parents are away, so they're going to have the wickedest Dungeons & Dragons tournament <laughs> ever. Yeah, we, should, we should actually explain it. It's the Ministry of Darkness surrounding a fire in a circle, talking in hushed voices. I thought it was a bunch of bums, like, keeping warm. <laughs> and, you know, Paul Bearer with the scariest looking smile I've ever seen. Yeah, I can no longer take Paul Bearer very seriously, because obviously you now everyone has become incredibly evil. The Ministry is well established now. It's, it's, full, it's got mm. its full ranks, basically. And Paul Bearer has dyed his hair and his moustache jet black he looks like the Pringles man now he does. he does I do like that he's still there though but Paul's uh, role is like almost you know I'm not going to say non-existent but other than like accompanying Undertaker to his matches and you know holding stuff for him Taker does all his own talking now doesn't he he does it as well in a very considerate tone of voice isn't he he's kind of yeah. like oh lads the neighbours are awake so let's just tell you about our evil plan <laughs> <laughs> you know they don't need to know it's late you know they're, past um, the cut off the ministry at this point they're, they're very much like uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer villains yes <laughs> no, you're, you're Oh my on. god, yeah. That's true. Accurate. No, I, Accurate I, mean, what, no, I mean, I didn't watch Buffy myself, but it would have been, in 99 it would have been. Around yeah. the same time, and they, they were all vampires and villains, but they were clean, and they didn't mm. do anything really evil. Yeah. They never swore, they never actually got, you know, got bloody and killed That's really it's got Joss Whedon written all over it. It does, yeah. That's <laughs> such a good point, honestly. And Undertaker is a strong female character, so yeah. he's basically, <laughs> done, you know. No, that's very interesting that you should mention that now, because our next match coming up, it's so odd, the fact that this match made it to pay-per-view, but this is just the biggest problem, this is the biggest failing of the whole ministry storyline and even the corporation storyline that you know overlaps into this we've got boss man versus midian next and it's heel versus heel yeah now this is such an issue i mean i was telling you guys before kind of you'll get used to the fact that you know even though you know big boss man's evil or whatever he hates undertaker yeah and midian is coming he comes out with an eye he's got an eye in a jar he looks like a jar of piss he he looks like a member of corn (laughs) <laughs> he, he looks so unwell. Yeah, yeah. he, he looks, looks really unwell. Green. He looks—he's—he's he's all like pale and like sickly, and he's got an eye. He's clearly a baddie, like you know. Yeah. He looks like a, like a proper fucking you know that Serial is the bad color. guy. Mm. Now that comes the fucking boss man as well. The boss man who, of course, you know, the week before on Raw was seen you know beating the shit out of Austin with a nightstick. And you know, the things that boss man has since he's debuted. Oh, he's has, been reprehensible. He's just, yeah. Both of these guys are the most evil motherfuckers ever. And this is what I hate about this story and the fact going in here is that in the corporation. You've got guys like Ken Shamrock, guys like Kane, who can kind of go both sides of the fence. They could be faces, yeah. But for the next three months, they're basically like, no, boss man, he's our guy. The most evil motherfucker. I love the boss man, but I'm not cheering for him. No, who would? I wouldn't even cheer him like as a, you know, as a smart fucking mark kind of thing. So the crowd straight away are just kind of like, wait, what? What's going to happen? As Bossman comes out, we can uh, move aside Jennifer Flowers because Howard Finkel announces him. He announces him as the big Bossman. The big <laughs> Bossman. <laughs> He's got yes. like one of those whistles that you pull the A end slide of whistle. Yeah. The big <laughs> Bossman. So yeah, Millionian comes out as I mentioned. He's got his little pilchard, which is an eye. He used to run out randomly during Raw at the start of his thing with the eye kind of going, "Oh, I've seen things, Michael Cobb." And he wrote. They were doing this like soothsayer gimmick, right. but yeah. they never ran with it. You know, it's kind of why would you even 
start giving them all this shit if you're not going to actually run with it, you know. It does literally look like a urine sample, though. Honestly, because oh, yeah. you, you, it's cloudy, you can't see the eye. All you can see is a jar filled with like a, a golden, yellowy liquid. It's formaldehyde. It's yeah. fucking stupid. And it they, looks like they, piss. It's so cheap. It. It's yeah. so cheap as well because they put it down straight away. They're like, that's leaking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just going like that. But uh, now here's the thing. To the to point you made earlier about you know, the uh, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer and all that. You know, WWF are always trying to kind of keep their finger on the pulse albeit sometimes in a very backwards way but you have Michael Cole going King you know what surprises me the popularity of the ministry and like they're straight away if you actually pay attention to this match Midian works like the good guy he's the one who gets worked over really? and has the hope spots yeah. and I actually swear to God I think they think the writers are thinking, oh, people will cheer the ministry, like, because they're cool. Oh, they're all it's, the, it's the 90s. Marilyn Manson is God. a yeah, yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it. This will work. They're, they're, everyone goes around and kind of, oh, no, it was heel versus heel, and that's what it seems like. But I th- honestly think, with, between all those things we've mentioned there, they really thought people were going to get behind the ministry. Everyone slits their wrists and has a friend drink it. These, we can relate are, to these that. guys are over. Come yeah. on. What would you rather do? Hang out with your mates and crucify someone or go out with celebrities? Oh, mates, you know, come on. <laughs> yeah. We get boring chants. Yeah. Rest holes. And we were mentioned earlier, these were a really great crowd. Yeah. And they, I think they're right. I'm, I'm, and they pick no, up. Yeah, right I agree with that. They pick up later on. Boston's a great worker. Median's capable, but. Um, you it's know. a poor match. Midian it's, gets hit in the dick, then uh, audibly says, ouch. <laughs> ouch! At, at one point, which completely like, oh, this guy's not that evil if he's saying ouch after being punched yeah. in the face. But like, you know, there's certain guys, it's, kind of, it's their gimmick to, to get worked over the whole match and then have the big kind of you know rousing comeback. If you take one look at Midian, are you going to honestly say this is the guy who's going to have the big kind of, all right, here we go, yeah. you know. He's not a whole cup, is he? Well, unless he takes some of Undertaker's blood, it'd be like Popeye, like, you know. My favourite part of the match, lone favourite moment, was when the boss line hits a move and just goes, Ministry sucks ass! <laughs> Which is why Bossman was kicked out of his Sunday group as well. <laughs> I noticed in this match, these are both men that do one of my favourite grunts. It's a common grunt with bigger guys in WWE. Um, it's when they've got him in a rest hold or whatever, or like, say, you know, putting his boot in his face in the corner. You get one of the guys going, Ash! Ash! <laughs> Ash! Just over and over again. So many people do it. Honestly, it you'll, no- wind, like... you'll notice it. Yeah, no, you, you, they do it all the time. Bossman, it's the Bossman slam to end this match. Uh, the Bossman slam was an awesome move, though. Bidian took it like a champ. It looked really, really yeah. awful, uh, awesome. But again, this match was just... It's kind of like Vince Russo is sitting back there and he's like, we've got this awesome idea for a story, guys. It's all going to have, you know, supernatural stuff. There's going to be this crazy group. They're going to be abducting people, all dark, gothic, mysterious. And you've got this big corporate group who's trying to fight back and keep control of the company. On paper, that all sounds great. Sadly, you have to fill in the gaps with wrestling matches. Yeah. And yeah. this is one of them, and this match sucks. And the one we get coming up at WrestleMania is one of my least favourite matches of all time. Uh. But that's for another podcast. It's it's really big, massive misstep. And then, of course, at the end of the match, the gong goes off, and the Ministry appear yeah. to uh, kill the big boss man. Despite the fact saying that if Midian didn't win, that they were going to you know, uh, be very disappointed. They seem pretty much okay with it. Yeah. Undertaker looks really cool here, though, surrounded by yeah, all his guys. With the, you know, They've done a good job at making this Undertaker seem different from the lad who was having that shit buried yeah, all his matches that's true. Yeah. a few months uh, back. Michael Cole says, as we've said, he's changed. Changed drastically. Changed. <laughs> choo choo. Changed, he says. So Viscera gives Big Bossman three or four big splashes. He oh. fucking kills that boy. What do you think of Viscera's uh, old leather attire? It's. Uh, I don't like it. He looks. Like he must be himself. a fucking sweaty under that. It's funny. I was going to mention. He must be a sweaty guy anyway. But yeah. under that, 
Well, he, he does like three three or four of these splashes, and then when he gets up, he knows he's gassed. He's like, yeah. <gasps> mm. It's like you get gassed, dude. Like one move. Oh. It's not even that that bad a move. It's just him trying to stand up. Yeah, and that's what's making him gassed. Whenever I see Viscera, I always think of you know when you're younger and you get like a bin bag and you just blow it up with air to just because you can. Yeah. And if you were to put like a Christmas pudding on top of that or something, <laughs> that is basically Viscera, I think. I think we found a new hate figure in Viscera. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. That's the Ministry's uh, kind of involvement there, and it's just it's it's looking back now, particularly you know with, with fresh eyes, this angle it stinks. It's really, it's, it's yeah. lousy. Uh, I like the concept of the Ministry Undertaker having his group. There's bits that are working, but God, the boss man is not the guy to do this. How long have we got this for? Two more months until the kind of That's the Ministry breaks I away can do that. from this. So. But anyway, we cut to Ivory. Earlier tonight on Sunday Night Heat, Ivory and Deborah got into it. And as we take a look at some action from earlier on, it was apparent very quickly, D'Lo, that Deborah wanted to change the equation, making it a six-man instead of a regular tag team matchup. But I've got to ask you, is Ivory the antidote to Deborah, and is she the answer to the tag team championship equation? See, plain and simply, what we've done right here is we've gone out and we've found something to counteract your so-called secret weapon, and it's right here with the lovely Ivory. Now, Jeff and Owen... You better recognize this, that Mark Henry and myself, we're coming full board for the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team titles. Now, Deborah, I've got one little thing to say to you. If you stick your nose in that match, you interfere in every way, I guarantee you this. Ivory will rip every stitch of clothes off your two-cent sleazy ass. Now, let's go. Oh, it's your first time ever seeing Ivory, isn't it? Yeah, of course. I don't know who she is. Ivory is a pretty amazing women's wrestler, and some would argue one of the one of the best. One of definitely one of the most overlooked, I think. Oh, it's so underrated. So um, underrated, yeah. Basically that. known for kind of her actual real life kind of stance against can women's wrestling be taken seriously, please? And, you know, she came up through things like Glow and kind of, you know, old school women's wrestling. So, you know, she's, she's a bit of a throwback to an extent, but she's yeah. an amazing wrestler. And she's also, like, really good on the microphone. She's a really good heel. I look forward to seeing more of her then. So, yeah, Ivory is backstage with D'Lo Brown and Sexual Marmite. Because, basically, Sexual Marmite has been, uh, he's had, a, has, has had his eye on Deborah. And he's been all confused and messing up yeah. and having ideas beyond his station. So the idea is Delo's brought in Ivory to keep Mark kind of on the straight and narrow. Yeah. yeah. And they he's sit- groping her, like, mm. and yeah. looking at the back of the head. I think he wants to eat her. Oh. It's funny because this is like the Ivory just as she's debuted. So you can tell it's like, right, you know, can obviously speak out and be really pissed off just yet. Gotta bite your tongue. But fuck me. It's like, yeah, it's like, oh, here's your pay-per-view debut. Mark's gonna give you a bit of a tug and a feel. Like, it's, yeah. it's kind of, it's a bit weird. But uh, yeah, they're having a chat there with Kay Shizzle, Kevin Shelley. And, uh, Kevin Shelley. <laughs> talking about their match coming up with Jeff Jarrett and Own Hart. Bit of a dream team. These guys took yes. the tag belts off the corporation. Uh, basically, it was one of these weird things. They won the belts off the corporation. They were kind of quite facey when they did it and immediately became dastardly heels uh, after doing they so. They would have made a great face team. It's, yeah, oh, it's just confusing this Russo thing. It's kind of like for the purposes of one match, you're a face and for another, you're a heel. Yeah, just pick one. You can totally make it work if you pick one and these guys would have been a great face team. So we have uh, D'Lo Brown and Sexual Marmite taking on the team of Jeff Hart for the Tag Team Championships. 
And Mark comes out with his little Valentine's. Uh, yeah. He's going with the gimmick. The, the big lug. The big lug. Ah, isn't he lovely? <laughs> isn't he a dose? Coming out there. Did he have candy and flowers? Did yeah, he had, he had yeah. chocolates and he had some flowers and he gave them to uh, gave them to Ivory. And he ate them both. <laughs> <laughs> now here comes a bit of a, a bit of a weird moment here. Uh, you're going out like, oh, big lug. They're trying to get over Mark Henry. Is kind of like as opposed to sexual deviant, which is where they're going before. They're trying yeah. to get over the kind of all oh, the puppy dog Romantic. kind of yeah. thing. And which uh, Michael Cole says. Mark Henry is childlike with women, which makes Ivory a paedophile. Yeah. Uh, Cole also asks Jerry who he prefers, Deborah or Ivory, and Jerry says he'd have to sample both. Ah, Jesus. Fuck's sake. Yeah, actually, that makes him twice as creepy, that voice. Because he's like Mr. Toad from Wind in the Willow. King Frog is who he King Frog! Who was once wrongfully accused of having sex with tadpoles. Uh, <laughs> also, so I like the start of this. Like, it's like you know they never, ever, ever mentioned it before. They always call him the world's strongest, but they never should mention this. Talking about Mark Henry in the Olympics, they go, "Oh, Mark Henry, the Olympian. He came fucking paddy last. <laughs> National shame, Mark Henry." <laughs> I do believe once Kurt Angle like on some random Smackdown or Heat was like look at you you came fucking last like you're a disgrace to this country I actually won and they were like no don't mention that ever again because it's like it makes us look bad for really embarrassing completely. we've been trying to get this guy over for 12 years did you guys notice what is not featured in this match for the first time in I think nearly 7 months Delos chest protector is gone. Oh my god! I did not even notice. Yeah, slipped my. Slipped How about that? I, I just say you can tell they're they're proper faces now. Uh, I think Mark and, and Delos. Yeah, they're yeah. like a proper goofy face team. Yeah, yeah. which is a shame because I think it may have passed us by, but I believe Delo may have peaked. Not to say that his match quality goes down, but I'm talking in terms of his position in the cards. Now he's in tag yeah. matches again. He's back in tag matches, yeah. and he's not going to be kind of no more title shots for him. Sadly not. We get great double team moves in this match from Jeff and Owen. Yeah. Um, get some nice action from everyone. Yeah, I mean, they use Mark sparingly, I suppose. Mm. Which is well, kind he's of, the weakest of the four. He's the weakest. Him, but yeah. I mean, you got Jeff Jarrett, Owen Hart, and D'Lo Brown in there. which So sharp and crisp. Yeah. Everything they do is really clean. Absolutely and brilliant. Yeah, no, they're really, really good. You got, you know, Jeff, again, mouthing off all the time. He's going my favourite line, which which you pointed out. He does his little move and he goes, I told you not to piss me. <laughs> I'm, obs- I'm obsessed with that line. Yeah. When he brought that up. Honestly, I, I when you're not around, he says it all the time around the house. Just like, we'll be having a coffee. We're like, I told you not to piss me. <laughs> it just, it reminds me of Cocoban always talked about it on Art of Wrestling for uh, the Nasty Boys. But I'd like as well. Jeff Jarrett is one of the Muppet babies. <laughs> <laughs> a little Jeff Jarrett with a little ukulele and a little, I told you not to piss me. You know, it's just, it's adorable. <laughs> Oh, I want to see a picture of that. If now. someone wants to make that happen, we would hey, be eternally grateful. I'm just saying, I'm not telling you to do fan art, but you know. So yeah, it, all right. This is one very uh, odd thing, which is always kind of detracting from the match for me because I always notice stupid shit like this. There was a shiny bit. Did you see? He that? had like a yeah. Uh, Jeff had like a doubloon on his back, didn't he, or something? That was an item from Resident it's, it's Evil. From, uh, <laughs> it's from Goldust's uh, entrance. Was it? it? Yeah, because oh, Goldust had all the stuff coming down. It's like that. Um, the confetti. Uh, it's like that match that uh, Mick Foley had with HBK, where HBK is covered in. Uh, in confetti oh of course yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's more of that because uh, it's got discs and confetti has been left around good spot D'Lo Brown hits the running powerbomb which Cole calls the sky high no, no. wrong uh, yeah. you've, you've actually Michael Cole has turned me into one of those fans the guy is like no you are wrong yeah um, there are no more words for it anymore yeah. I suppose Cole also brings back the term tormentous again again yeah. he says there's Fuck a tormentous yeah, manoeuvre I caught it this time you're so right I, I, I thought oh maybe maybe misheard a little bit no he literally says tormentous he's a fucking idiot 
Uh, my main fault with this match, I suppose, is me really great action threat, but the hot tag comes, Dilo makes it to Mark. Uh, Mark is all over the place. His hot tag is really bad. When he comes in, he's a little out of out of step with everyone it seems Mark misses a double splash and goes down like a sack of shit like he really mm. like he looks really quite sore and then quite this this ending just seemed kind of I don't know a little bit off or whatever Deborah goes up and she's like they're doing the whole thing that you know Mark is infatuated with yeah. Deborah. Deborah goes up and like starts kind of like yeah, oh you know that, yeah it? and they had the whole thing that like Ivory's like I'm going to strip you naked so this is like you know obviously okay. a very credible threat for females yeah. in the WWF apparently at the yeah. time and then Ivory goes up and you could tell that, like, she puts her hand on her. Is like, are you going to rip off her top? What are you doing? And she just kind of taps her, and Deborah just goes down. She asks her nicely to stop, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and she does. <laughs> Get a massive Owen Chan. Oh, no, was it match. Owen or Nugget? I think it was Nugget. I thought I heard I heard I heard Owen and Nugget at several yeah. different points. So he's only Owen could get both. Chance. Yeah, he's yeah. only him could be so divisive. <laughs> to kind of like we love you, Owen, but we understand you have to get over as a heel. And we yeah. respect that. <laughs> so yeah, Mark picks up. He picks up Jeff for a big gorilla press. Yeah, and then Owen slams him with the guitar yeah. in the leg. And it was a terrifying few seconds. Uh, as Jeff falls down, because obviously Mark falls backwards and Jeff is falling from Mark's height at the same time. Jeff lands his stomach first right onto Mark's knee and it looks so fucking painful. Sure. Yeah. Looks horrible. Although it makes the finish seem quite legitimate because Jeff pops in the figure four leg lock and wins. Yeah. Uh, God, you, I think the last time we saw that happen was against Brackus. Like the figure yeah, four. Yeah. Jeff winning. winning a submission. That's uh, very rare. Um, Cole brings up PMS again just because of the story that was going on with D'Lo. To which uh, Jerry uh, just simply comes out and just says, Power hungry she devels. Jesus Christ! <laughs> that's what he got that come from? <laughs> that's just what he calls PMS. Well, you know what they say about women, Michael Cole? I hate, I hate women. <laughs> I hate women. Good God Almighty! We get the cat fight afterwards after the match. Of course. Yes. And like you said earlier, uh, Ivory promised she was going to rip off Deborah's clothes. Yeah. She pulls Deborah's top a little bit, and it like you know it sort of comes half it, off of her head. It's Velcro. It like falls apart. It just all that happens is it rips a little bit, and it shows like the her back and a bit of her bra. And then Michael Cole's like, "Up, oh, she promised she'd rip her clothes off, and look what she's done. She's partially fulfilled that promise. She's pulled her top up a little bit. It was." Uh, and again, it was like the you kind of get those moments of the fans, you know, popping more for oh, we might see you a know, little bit of flesh, a little bit of flesh. They oh, pop we more can see for the that. small of Deborah's back in this match, man. God, these, <laughs> these guys clearly don't know their AOL keywords. <laughs> you know, they'd be they'd be grand. Backstage, the Micker is with the K-Bomb. Well, will the effects of a knee injury suffered earlier tonight impact the last man standing match and with the challenger mankind? And I know that. Let's, in fact, let's just take a look right now and show you exactly what happened. Uh, doing the Harvard step test with Mr. Backlund. Brock comes in with a cheap shot. you got to respect that, though. Comes in. He's willing to follow up his work, which makes him a very uh, very good contender. Here it is, a third cheap shot. What he's trying to do is make his work a little bit easier for him. But I'll tell you what, Kevin Kelly, it's going to take a hell of a lot more than that to get the job done. Because Rock and I have been all over the place. He tried to bludgeon me. He did bludgeon me, but couldn't make me say I quit. So what I'm doing is I'm taking this match very, very seriously. And believe me, I have a game plan which I intend to stick to. And I'm about to get myself in a state of mental preparation, which is going to make me a very, very ugly person, if you can believe that. Uh, now, this was an insane Sunday Night Heat match. It's, yeah. This from the clips, of that, that, this clip of The yeah. Rock attacking him, you know, he gets he starts with the... Extinct, coffee. It was a coffee uh, jug. Yeah, a big a coffee thing. Yeah. And then just sitting on the stairs is a big square piece of wood it's a, it's, yeah, it's a, just sat it. there on the stairs do you not know, what, you know what it is 
Uh, it's, the thing that, it's the thing that yeah, you beat him at heat with. Yeah, it's the one of the wooden pallets. Like. It's, it's the same thing that you got crushed with. It's yeah, just yeah. weird, though, that it's just sitting on the stairs. Because it's on the stairs that the, the crowd will have had to walk up to to get to their seats. Sorry, do you not find it more strange that he had a big coffee airport that is gigantic coffee <laughs> I'm surprised that both of you don't seem to find it strange that Mick Foley was getting training tips from Bob Backlund, <laughs> Dominic Whoa. DiNucci, yeah. and the Iron fucking Sheik. Yeah, I saw the Iron Sheik okay, and Bob Backlund. that completely slipped by me. Yeah. I did not see I Sheiky saw, Baby. I saw the Sheik and Bob Backlund. You can just see that like when the rock is laying down the sheik in the back just ah <laughs> basically to help Foley for his big match three random people uh, Danucci obviously trained Foley and yeah, Backlund yeah. would have been uh, you know um, one of Foley's heroes growing up I yeah. suppose screaming and, in the, and the, the stairs and the Iron Sheik uh, how curious so yeah it was kind of a cool idea that Foley had this like little oddball group who were you know, helping him train for the big match mm. uh, although none of them stepped in whatsoever to uh, yeah that's the last we'll see of them that's the last we'll see of them basically Foley here cuts this great promo about kind of everything that they've been through because obviously since I quit we found out that it was obviously a ruse for the corporation mm. they played a footage of him saying I quit over and over they had the empty arena match where Foley won the belt back yeah. and now they're set for last man standing great promo here from Foley really which, intense we're talking about how much we're loving the whole the, the comedy and stuff from Foley but now and then it's nice just to get this little just kind of serious by the way thing. I'm actually the champion of this company yeah so. I'm a legitimate wrestler yeah. still I'm a killer it cuts back to the crowd just before the next match starts <laughs> just, to, just to show how uh, over uh, Foley is as a sign to sort of put a uh, I just noticed it's a sign that it's a quote that Foley said is the rock lacks testicular fortitude. Testicular <laughs> fortitude is It's a great. great thing to put on a sign. Yeah. Great thing testicular to put on a sign. fortitude is one of the greatest phrases that Foley's ever come up with. Mm. That's the kind of sign that Damien Sandow would have, wouldn't he? Yeah. The yeah. rock lacks testicular fortitude. <laughs> <laughs> so it is cut down to a rather creepy promo. This was pretty creepy this year yeah. last month. Yeah. And it's got a whole lot creepier. Shamrock's sister and Val's latest flesh. You don't mess with my family. That, that's my sister they're talking about. This guy's corrupting her mind. She's not thinking straight. Right, they were in the shower together. He disrespected my sister. And nobody, nobody gets right with that. Hello, Kenny. I'm in the zone. I'm about to lose control. Kenny, do you think that your sister has actually seen the big Balboa in person? I promise my sister I cannot lay a hand on him. Ah, Shamrock from behind with a chair. Oh, I knew this was going to happen. And I'm a man of my word. Shamrock has got a chair, King. Did he not grow now? Oh! Shamrock just snapped. He disrespected my sister. Shamrock's going to freak out. His head is going to explode. Shamrock's freaking out. Bow is toast. Hey, back time. I will not to be Balmina Snow. Thank you. Him. Oh, wrong words. That is the worst three words you can hear. Being a big brother. I love him. Ew. Hello, Kenny. Ugh. Yeah. Honestly, between, like I said earlier, something about Blue Dust just struck me as a little bit creepy. We had the uh, the snuff film incident with Bob Holly and Al Snow, and now we get uh, the, the shot. Honestly, it really freaked me out. You get one shot in this package of Val Venus stood at ringside in front of uh, Ryan Shamrock, and he's just gyrating, but he's doing it so forcefully. It looks really explicit and whole, really, really gross. gross. The whole little promo is horrible. Just him like doing like thrusting and stuff, and then literally seeing hot dogs being thrown into buns. Yeah. It's, it's so dark. So you've got this yeah. really yeah. vulgar imagery, and then you have like Ryan Shamrock, who apparently. 
specifically likes. She's you know? loving it. Yeah, it's it's really like oh they make they make her out to like have no morals it's whatsoever. So yeah. fucking. But then bad. you come back to uh, you know it's like you got all this like really like shockingly lewd imagery, and then it's just red and black screen going. And, and it's because Shamrock was going, they, just, just one shot of Shamrock, which they flip. They, they, so flip, they flip the image to that. make it look like it's a different thing. Brilliant. So one time he's looking to the right, one time he's looking to the left. But he looks terrifying. No, I'm, I'm right here kind of going, how is only Ken Shamrock could be a heel? I don't get it. Yeah. This whole match, I'm going to say it right now, this whole match is completely ruined for me. This, this, yeah, this makes like, no sense. Ken is the heel. Because he's overreacting to this situation. Now, this situation, by anyone's standards, would require a very severe and angry response, and an yeah. emotional at that. Mm. Yet Ken has still gone overboard yeah. in his response for being an overprotective brother. He's actually taken—he has taken it too far against the man who has basically filmed a sex tape with his sister against and various other people in the company. So he knows what it's like. There's no justification for Ken being the heel here. I do not get it at all. And as well, like, from Valvinus's standpoint, it's like. If there's one person in the company you don't want to piss off, it's fucking Ken Shamrock. Well, actually, it's Jeff Jarrett because you don't want to piss and Jeff Jarrett off. Yeah, yeah. We've got <laughs> Ken Shamrock taking on Val Venus for the Intercontinental Championship, and our special guest referee is badass Billy Gunn. What is going on? The master plan, obviously, if you didn't hear from the uh, from the Royal Rumble, you know, yeah. Billy Gunn's master plan, which include to get the IC belt, which includes getting beaten up, not winning the belt. <laughs> And refereeing matches for the belt and not competing in them. He's he's taking quite a uh, he's taking the high road quite literally on this yeah. route to the IC belt. But uh, as both gentlemen are coming out to the ring, we have a cut to the. I rarely pick up on crowd signs, but this one was was quite uh, disgusting. I want PMS. No, you don't. Mm. You really don't. No. Let's just stop talking about them forever, can we? Or it is. Ever again. Venus gets into the ring. Yeah, he comes out and he's going to make his willy joke. He says, I've got a heart on. For fuck's sake. <laughs> a heart on. You know what they say about Valentine's Day? My dick is big. <laughs> I wrote down one thing about Val after he did his promo with Ryan Shamrock, who's wearing literally like the most disgusting lewd dress. It's just like it's so skimpy, isn't yeah. it? And the thing as well about Ryan is the fact that she doesn't speak. She's never like she's she's not made out to be like kind of like she has a say in the matter. It's like oh, this like sex pest has me. Guess I bet I'm a skank now. It's so yeah, I, I hate to use the word, but her character is literally slut. That's all she is. She's but, like, literally just it's, a slut. The fact that it's just, like it makes you uneasy thinking of Vince Russo. And Ed Ferreira writing going, oh yeah, and then she'll like she'll come out dressed up all slutty. And she's loving it. Yeah, like she's lo- like you know in one mind, you know like they did it with Stephanie later down the line where the kind of, like the, the woman you know the, the turns heel and becomes this really like low moral character. You can do that, but like as a heel, as a heel. But the fact that they just kind of made her out to be this kind of like oh yeah, by the way, now I'm a tramp. We're yeah. maybe on Ryan's side as well. Apparently, yeah. This is ridiculous. Ken's the but heels. Ryan so. never opens her mouth no. like her in the entire. Oh, that uh, sexual innuendo there. But um, uh, before the match starts, you pick up on the conversation between King and Cole. What did mm-hmm. they say? Uh, K- King asks Cole if he's seen the tape of Venus and uh, Ryan. Now they've asked this before. They always and ask about. They, they always ask, and as Cole is essentially the, the face commentator, he should say something along the line of, "No, I haven't. Don't be Stop ridiculous. talking about it." Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Cole, he should say it's disgusting. Instead, he asks Jerry what it's like. And yeah. Jerry Jerry doesn't expect this response, I think, <laughs> because he looks confused for a second. There's about five seconds of dead air. And he says, the director, the director, um, instead of saying cut, throws water at them. Siskel and Ebert, Siskel and Ebert gave um, everything up. Oh, fuck. For fuck. What a train wreck. <laughs> Good Lord. 
I mean, yeah, you can put most of that blame on Michael Cole, though, for not being the face. And yeah, you know, just all you got to say is, no, I have not seen the tape. Cisco Niebuhr gave it everything. Up, What's Jesus. it like? Why would he ask? What's, <laughs> What's King going to say to that? So we've got this match is basically Shamrock being like really dominant and like kind of only slipping up because he's too angry now and then, and Billy Gunn being a wacky ref, which is it's, kind of annoying because the match drags a little bit and Billy Gunn refuses to count yeah. to three. He keeps yeah. uh, he keeps checking out um, Ryan's ass as well whenever yeah. Ken's not looking, well, he's which I found man. which I found quite funny is as you know fits his character, it, it fits his character, and everyone's against Ken. Yeah, it, which made me laugh. I noticed Bill Apter at ringside taking photographs, and all of a sudden wrestling was ruined forever. It was like when I was in the cinema, I noticed that there was a solitary red light above the screen, and now I can't help but look at it. <laughs> Every time I watch wrestling from the Attitude Era, there's Bill after taking pictures, looking at it. Is it any good? Oh, it's all right, yeah. It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Gunn refuses to count to three uh, on the first yes. pinfall. Yeah. Ken gets very angry and uh, shouts, What the fuck? Here's the cover now. There's two. He had three. Whatever. And Billy Gunn won't throw his hand down. That's it. Come on, ref. What the Incredibly fuck? loudly, that's it. He is properly, incredibly upset, uh, Shamrock here. Of course, as well, we get one of the most despicable maneuvers in the history of wrestling, which is Val Venus doing the camel clutch, but grinding at the same time. Oh, and horrible. Cole again says that that's a tormendous maneuver. Fuck's sake, Again, Cole. he says it's tormendous. It's not tormendous. Um, we also get in this match our grunt of the night. At one hour, one minute, and four seconds, Ken Shamrock kicks Val Venus in the back, to which Val goes, Oh! Uh! <laughs> Val is very grunty the whole night, isn't he? Yeah, I, I don't think it's grunting so much as actually it hurts him. Like the sound he makes, uh, it's yeah, like he's, he's in pain. Shamrock's stiff, stiff. stiff in it. Exactly, yeah. Uh, we get an incredibly long sleeper, which is obviously meant to make you want to get Val back into it, but what instead we get is a Jerry chant. <laughs> yeah. And of course, as well, I mean, it's, I don't know, the pacing of the match seems like way off because there seems like three or four moments it should logically end. But yeah. Billy is just Billy is just such a third wheel here. He yeah. is, and he's uh, he's, he's not trying to make him. he's trying to make himself the main. He's nothing thing to do with the storyline. He's yeah. got nothing to do with storyline, and he wants to be the center. Well, of the the is, is, it's honestly like they did the Ryan angle, and they started using Billy, and then Vince Russo obviously decided, oh, actually, imagine if we did this with Val, it would be much better with the porn thing, mm. and they ran with that, and obviously people are. <laughs> yeah. they don't want to hurt Billy's feelings oh no you're still important you're the referee <laughs> yeah Val made me sick in this match as well because um, he points at Billy because like Billy won't do the uh, the three count Val gets up and points at him and he motions that you know the sort of the, the clap in your hands one two three yeah. he, he does that then he points at Ryan Shamrock thrusts his dick and then goes one two three again as if to say to Billy come on let's get a move on I want to go fuck already Ugh. I thought he was saying that he that Billy could have her if he, if he got <laughs> That's what I thought he was saying. He's like, I was like, you can have sex with Ken's sister if you like. And Ryan's you. probably like, oh, I'd love it because, you know, I've got no fucking brain. Good lord. We get a belly to back suplex from Ken, followed by the ankle lock. And then Ryan, the audacity, betrays her own brother and helps Val get to the ropes, which comes with one of my favourite botches and audible moments of all yeah. time. What the hell are you doing? Blood sticking water. What are you doing? Ryan Shamrock just backstabbed. Ken goes out ro- outside and he's like what the fuck are you doing now slap me and she slaps him <laughs> the way he says it is like, it's so soft so slap soft me. No, slap me slap me like you slapped me in bed last night so Val wins and uh, he doesn't look like much of a winner though because he gets pretty much killed after the match he's there laying with his, with his belt because uh, Billy Gunn goes after him this so- doesn't really make any sense because 
That doesn't mean that Billy gets the belt. Boy, this'll get emotional at WrestleMania, won't it? When these three obviously are going to square off. Because that's what should happen at WrestleMania, You'd right? Think. You know, this is going to make it so much more annoying, this angle, the fact that WrestleMania, they go in a completely different direction for no reason whatsoever. God damn the writers. All right, coming up next, it's China and Kane taking on the team of Triple H and Xbox. Corporate China. The first of Kane's many lovers. Yeah. So China has turned heel. Yeah. They were teasing Friction DX, but no one was really taking it seriously because I've never mentioned it earlier in the podcast because they did it so many times. But every second week, it seemed like they were kind of teasing DX are going to break up. And then they, they would be like, ah, we're just playing. We're bros for life. Yeah. Did you guys notice in the uh, the opening package to this when they're talking about DX breaking up, they did the Vince McMahon repeaty thing on China. She goes, "If anyone's going to initiate a DX split, it's going to be me. It's going to be me." That's a great China impression. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, basically, China is now uh, the crown jewel in the uh, in the corporation. It seems with like you know taking the arm of Vince and Shane at any given moment. So Kane is back in the corporation because again they've they've basically they pulled the trigger on this insane asylum thing and then like again went straight back on it. Already gone, yeah. So yeah, Kane was meant to send the insane asylum. Now they're like, no, please don't go into the insane asylum. Be in the corporation. He's yeah. like, all right. Confusing. Yeah. Just when he thought he was out, they pull him right back in. So we get an incredibly aggressive promo from Triple H. Yeah. Come on out here and get your ass kicked, you big jacked up bitch. Who's China, a big jacked up bitch. Which is a be- which is better than on previous Raw that he just called her a big bitch. Yeah. A big bitch. <laughs> he just grabbed the microphone and says, "Listen here, you big bitch." <laughs> big bitch. That's it's only a bitch. <laughs> though, but yeah, really aggressive. And I think the fact that I mean, I suppose the fact that you know that Triple H and China are. are Romantically linked to this moment, it's kind of like, yeah, it's cool or whatever, but like, big jacked up bitch and big bitch. Or, you know, China was always protected from insults. They never really mm. kind of were like, hey, you're a fucking bitch. But there, here they go, you know? <laughs> Michael Cole says, Kane has a big old rivalry with Xbox. <laughs> And uh, I can't help but think going into this match that Road Dog must be so diggity diggity disappointed when he's injured that this split has occurred. Yeah. We start off at, with Triple H. He's got China's shirt on. Uh, yeah, it off. China syndrome. W- wipes his bum with it. Mm. Which I'm kind of very glad he didn't use his, the other China t shirt that was released at the time that was said uh, The China. Oh, seriously. That- yeah. <laughs> This is the company that made an always pounding ass APA shirt. (laughs) I guess. That children bought and wore. Do you really like to pound ass? (laughs) There's a a sign in the background because there's a guy who obviously likes DX and saying suck it. But he also likes having variations on the 316 sign. Oh, yeah. mm. So he combines them together so we get a suck 420 sign. Wow! <laughs> Every <laughs> suck 420. It is like random what words in the bag now, isn't it? Just pulling we're them literally out. watching the evolution. It's like an island and like all these animals are intermixing and all of a sudden we're going to have one sign left at the end. The one yeah. master it would be sign. Su- suck 420 would be the sign. Of yeah. the it would be a picture of a knob <laughs> with DX written on it or something. So you get Shane McMahon and commentary on this which I love. He yeah. sounds like He's on cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> he's a serious scrappy do. Like that is. Literally... He really is. He, he is such a scrappy do character. And we're getting the start here of the Shane McMahon X Pac rivalry, which is one of my favourites uh, yeah. from here. We get Cole as well, continuing going on. China's in the ring, and she's pretty much holding her own. They are kind of pushing this fact. This is the first time really that China's been in a featured match like this, you know, as an active competitor, and they are trying to put her over that. Like, yeah, she's basically one of the guys. You know, she she will be able to hang with with guys mm. going forward. But Cole keeps on going. First time ever, King, a man versus a woman. 
Except Mark Merrow that one time, but that doesn't count. Doesn't count, no. Nah, apparently not. Thoughts on China Wrestling Men? Uh, I like it because... I, I like it, but there's, there's a couple of points I just found it really weird. Because it looks like Triple H is proper stiffener at times. Mm. Well, the three of us are proponents of women's wrestling, and you know we, we do believe that it can be a legitimate thing. And so I was really happy that you know we've actually got China being the first women wrestler to get involved into gender and everything. But then you get spots like... X-Pac throws her in the corner and he's, he's teasing the Bronco Buster and the crowd are going insane because they're a yep. bunch of sexist yeah. Oh, now we'll have extra meaning. Oh, yeah, he's going <laughs> to suck his dick. It's, uh, yeah. I will say China has like obviously limitations in the ring. She's not the best wrestler in the world. She's not very good. No, no. She's, she's not. But... She's trying. She, she's, yeah. over, she's over as fuck and they really hide her limitations, I think, in this match. I think she does actually... Yeah, no, she doesn't yeah. get too exposed. She gets covered yeah. up quite nicely. I think the, the pairing of her and Kane is a really interesting mm. one. The match kind of starts breaking down as X-Pac is going after Shane. We get so much emotion in this match. If you think about it, X-Pac has been with China, built back toward to China. Triple H and China have obviously been together for, for many, many years. And then Triple H, of course, he would go on to dress up as Kane and have sex with a corpse. Ah. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Melrose Place, more like <laughs> WWE. Um, <laughs> so Triple H gets the hot tag and then kills China. Literally, he, just, he yep. fucking destroys her. And we get the uh, Bronco Buster, but Shane makes an interference. And again, now we got this big match building up yeah. between these two. X-Punk is what... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. his Chris and X Park, which I like. So we get a pedigree attempt from Triple H, and then Kane comes in, choke slams the game, and all of a sudden China pins Triple H, which is quite an outstanding thing to think about. Odd ending, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, well, I think it's awesome. It's, China it's, pinning Triple H. It's, it's the opposite of what China was doing to everyone else in, in yeah, the matches. Yeah, true that. Mm. If she'd have beaten with a low blow, that would have been better, I think. Yeah, that's China true. low blow and Triple H would have been the sweetest kind of ending. It's for cool that. though because it's like it's so difficult with Triple H, you know, obviously since 2001 2002 when he's obviously so involved with the family mm. to actually kind of recall moments when he was just one of the guys and could be put in legitimate I mean you'll never get a finish like this like in <laughs> 2003 no. but it's just so cool to think yeah China beat Triple H and like that makes the story I like, guess so yeah, yeah. That, that makes it really cool the yeah. corporation have basically it seems like have really fucked up DX because China is like actually way more pivotal than they previously yeah. thought maybe yeah they've bested them I really like that so uh, yeah pretty cool match and the crowd were really really into it yeah so now it's time for the semi-main event last man standing for the WWF championship the champion Mankind who won the belt back at halftime heat taking on The Rock obviously The Rock quits and trying to get your marks I accept the match you just proposed Rock you and I at the Royal Rumble in an I quit match. You will never, and the rock means never hear the rock say the words, I quit. How does it feel, rock? How does it feel to be in a match that you can't win and I can't lose? Oh, the rock has what the hell is he going to do now? This is WWF history in the making. An empty arena match for the first time ever. 
We have cameras in the locker rooms. We have cameras in the parking lot. We have cameras everywhere. The man will slow and paralyze him over it. No, not let go. It's going to run over it. No, it's going to crush the rock. No, no, don't, don't put it. No, no, no. If you thought the rock was rough on your candy ass, then come St. Valentine's Day Massacre, the rock will proceed to bash your living brains in. You are a last man standing match. You have got a deal. Unbelievable recap of the feud here. Yeah. One of my all-time favourite feuds, looking back now, because this is the last match of the feud. Yeah. And I can say, looking back now, uh, that Foley and The Rock is just absolutely brilliant. And everyone always goes on about how Foley made The Rock such a big star in this feud. But likewise, I mean, before this feud, Foley was, the, you know, as mankind, he was evil music, dark and scary. He they developed were, his character it, um, so much. The, the Foley got almost as much from The Rock in this. Yeah. He became so sympathetic and, you know, Definitely. so endearing because of this he feud. He became the people's champ. Hey! And one of the reasons this is one of my favourite feuds as well is because, yeah, you have all the big stories and the angles and all the matches and stuff on Raw... But really what it boils down to is this trilogy of matches that you get with the I Quit match, the Halftime Heat, and now this match. Mm, yeah. You can boil the whole feud down into these three like yeah. amazing matches. I, just, I love that a feud, can, a big massive feud can have three matches that sum it up stuff. perfectly. Yeah. And that's it, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Nice three-act conclusion. And at the end of it, no one's going to be like, oh man, I wish... That, you know, No one going into this match is like, oh, for fuck's sake, not again. Despite the fact this is the third time these guys have wrestled in, 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 three as, in as many weeks. Well, no, we can think about it because uh, I quit. Oh, and, shit, sorry, yeah, in half and, Yeah, I mean, yeah. and they wrestled, obviously, times before that in, in uh, Rock Bottom and at Survivor Series. So it is kind of, yeah, cool that the fans are still into it. It shows yeah. you how good the feud is. I was immediately trying to come up with ways that Mick Foley could be... Uh... Could could have the, the match cheated uh, cheated on? Oh yeah. No, so I was I say the uh, Vince comes out and super glues him to the floor. So he <laughs> can't stand up. They cut his legs off. <laughs> it's a really interesting match because I like the fact then that you know you've got so many um, you, you've got so many different you know gimmicks. This match now, Last Man Standing, is again a very different gimmick, and we get a very different kind of match between them mm-hmm. because The Rock knows he can't knock Foley out. So what he's doing is he's trying to fuck up Foley's legs yeah, and, and it's really cool it keeps going for the really good story it's really really good definitely I also love seeing Foley get his leg worked for once instead of his head it's nice yeah. knowing that the chair shots aren't going to be doing all the yeah, damage I think on the he, head he, he the, the head earned the night off tonight I think yeah. you know they head to the outside pretty early on after some in-ring action and uh, Mick Foley gets christened by Michael Cole to be the mayor of parts unknown Fuck off. That'll catch on. Mm-hmm. Get that uh, t-shirt. Don't, don't worry, guys. I've got a zinger for hour three. <laughs> I bet he spent all night thinking that was going to be good. We get a huge Rocky Sucks chant, which Massive. is amazing to, amazing to see that he's finally sort of got over as a heel to the crowd. There's not, People aren't still There's no way you wouldn't be booing this man I was after say, I quit. He, he's been a heel for a while now, but the fact that this chant you're talking about comes about 10 seconds into the match, mm, I yeah. think, that really says how big a heel he is. If it hadn't been for I quit... He would have been cheered at this stage, yeah. Because you could tell at Rock Bottom and Survivor, you know, and even even at Survivor Series, Half people were kind of like, "Oh yeah, but he's the Rock, he's cool." But now it's like, "No, this guy's a scumbag," mm. uh, which is really cool. Get a DDT through the table, amazing DDT. Which I mean, that's a game which you usually only see a move because if you're standing on this, is not an announce table; it's a regular table. This thing always breaks. If, yeah, you know, two guys are standing on it, so yeah, it's pretty good. A lot of bumps on concrete, which is horrible. Yeah, Rock does like three suplexes on Mankind on the concrete. Looks hideous. They take it back to the ring. Mankind attempts Mr. Elbow. Mr. Elbow. (laughs) Made me laugh. Amazing. And then the Rock dons the headset once again. 
And right behind him is a sign. Drinking since 316. For <laughs> fuck's sake. Depressing sign. <laughs> Fucking Unbelievable. <laughs> Folly takes a sick elbow off that apron as well. Really, right onto really the back of the rock, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of dangerous. Uh, but uh, we again, one of the first times of the podcast as well, a really clear moment with Foley just going, Wee! Yeah, I love, that, I love that noise. That's the first time on the podcast I think we've had it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty awesome. Now, a very, very scary moment comes in here in, in, in the match. Both guys get on the announce table. And Foley looks like he's going for a pile driver. Rock reverses it. Foley's leg smacks off the bellkeeper's table. Oh my god, that was scary. What a hideous yeah. clatter he lands with. Absolutely disgusting. It looks absolutely horrible. And <laughs> when he gets flipped over there, Michael Cole goes, God darn it! And then two seconds later, damn it! <laughs> what a man of emotion. A man of many uh, parental guidance labels yeah. is Michael Cole. Pretty pretty sick spot. And I'm there kind of going, oh my god, Foley, he's got that really bad leg. Blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden the rock does smack down hotel. I'm like, ah, I love wrestling. I'm happy again. <laughs> I'm happy again. That, that rock playing with my emotions. Well, since Rock's baby left him. Oh my gosh, he's oh. singing. He found a new place to dwell. Now he's a damn singer. It's down at the end of Jabroni Drive at <laughs> Smackdown Hotel. Rock feels so long. Thoughts on Smackdown Hotel? I liked it. <laughs> so know. funny. Um, it was funny as well because at the start of the match there's a sign that says uh, The Rock is just an Elvis wannabe. <laughs> and then Brilliant. In that, in that, I, I hope, I'll show you. I hope he saw that sign there it was all and, off the cuff. Just, and did it off the cuff. That's I'd amazing. Love to, I'd so. love to know if that was off the cuff. Of course, even the better thing about doing Smackdown Hotel is that almost immediately afterward the mandible car gets locked in and The Rock still holds the microphone up going duh, duh, <laughs> The Rock's going to finish. Like, you know, I, I absolutely love that. So, um, you know, Rock gets taken down and then Foley starts counting along with, with the ref like you get this real kind of come on you feel can do good it. Uh, moment really good and then uh, get a DDT both men go down a double arm onto the uh, onto the uh, steel chair which was sick the Rock took mm. its massive bump and once again we got Mr. Socko locked in but the Rock just flips his arm over and puts it straight to a rock bottom I don't right think on the really, chair as well if I remember it's a really scary kind of spot both men knock each other out with chairs then like Oh, that rock. is the coolest thing yeah. I've ever seen. I love when the rock synchronized just, so well, and the rock just throws himself into the ropes. I love when guys can do that kind of punch drum, just kind of oh my god, they bounce off the ring. They both sell it so Absolutely well. Brilliant. It was like you say, synchronized. It's a perfect clatter. And uh, now, of course, this ends up in a double countout, which is funny because last man standing is always kind of this is going to be you know Decisive. really decide. And invariably, last man standing matches end up with you know a lot of the times it's an easy way out to extend a feud. These guys will go on to have the final match for the uh, for the belt in a ladder match on Raw, which The Rock would go on to win. So, I mean, that's the end of, of this feud then. I hate, I really do hate double count out at finishes. The crowd hated it but as well. They booed big so much. Channel. However, this to me is the perfect ending. because very equal. Even though the feud technically finishes on Raw, like you say, with yeah. the ladder. Again, going back to the whole idea of it being a trilogy of matches, this one ending with it being a draw where, you know, neither man won, they both got the best of each other and they gave it all they had. I think that's just like such an amazing way to end it. Like, you know, they're both yeah. amazing athletes and that's the end of the feud agree. for me right there. It's really cool because, I mean, they're all both completely knocked out and they both get taken away then and ambulances showing yeah. that, you know. Of course, I like the way they get taken away in separate ambulances, the heel ambulances and the face ambulances. <laughs> heel that's, paramedics. That's, yeah, that's, that's how Bill Watts would have wanted yeah. it back in the day, you know. <laughs> it's now time to get to the main event. This is it. Good Lord, this is it. 
I have to explain how we got to this point. Yeah, please do. Go ahead. Yeah. Despite the fact that Vince McMahon won the Royal Rumble, it's Austin versus uh, McMahon in a steel cage, and Austin's chance at going to WrestleMania is on the line. It's As the number one contender, you checked yourself out of the main event at WrestleMania, and Stone Cold Steve Austin has been checked in. I will put up my right for the WWF title at WrestleMania if you will face me in a match. You and me in a game for the cage match. You're on, you got your match. This is more important than the WWF championship. I can guarantee you, number one, that I will beat your ass up and down every side of that damn cage. I'm going to guarantee you not one corporate member will ever interfere. I guarantee you, Austin. I can guarantee you I will step right over your limp carcass and walk my ass right into WrestleMania. After the cage match is over, the World Wrestling Federation for you will never, ever be the same again. There will be blood, blood shed, and it ain't gonna be mine. You're going to face each and every member of the corporation. Austin's got to run the gauntlet, and he ain't going to make it. It only ends when he can defeat one member of the corporation by pinfall and submission. Ah, it's over. It's over, Austin. For you will never ever be the same again. You will know that Austin 316 says I just ripped your ass. I think Mr. McMahon has gone too far, too far. He's violated Steve Austin here. Okay, you must be asking yourselves, what is going on? How come the oh, first of all, why are these two fighting? Second of all, why is uh why is Austin defending his rights to go to WrestleMania? Why is Vince not going to... Alright, so here... This is so fucking stupid. <laughs> I think the... WWF in no. Get out of I, I, I will defend most storylines to the grave. This... I remember watching this on the fucking Raw. It takes like 15 minutes of exposition for them to kind Jesus. of... And the whole time of this 15 minutes, you've got Vince McMahon going... You know, he's home. <laughs> oh, so, right. So, Vince won the Royal Rumble. And as I said, he comes out and Ron, he's like, I'm going to WrestleMania, you know. And then he says, I'm going to WrestleMania. And then immediately thereafter, he says, I waive all rights and privileges as the number one contender. Meaning that either he wants The Rock not to have to fight anyone at WrestleMania, or alternatively, he wants, you know, one of his hand picked. Rock and Yeah. 
Now, as soon as he says that, we cut onto the Titan Tron. <laughs> on the Titan Tron is Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels sitting so fucking awkwardly, like together at this little bar. Now, there's just something about Steve Austin that, as a character, when you just put him sitting down beside someone else, yeah, he's not. You can only if he's drinking, he's drinking alone. Yeah, you can't. I can't have. I can't see Steve Austin listening to someone else have a chat and nodding approvingly, and that's what we get. So Shawn Michaels goes, Vince, I've been looking at the WWF rulebook, and takes out a bottle of fucking Jack Daniels. (laughs) Literally, literally, literally. I've been looking at the rulebook, like. Oh my god. Oh, there's some technicalities on this subsection. You know, <laughs> play. I love they're playing off. You know, it's it's fun alcoholism. It's fine. So basically, because Vince had just said that he waived all rights to the number one contendership, that means now that Austin is the number two uh, man, the last second, second last man eliminated. He therefore now becomes the number one contender. Right. So Austin's sitting there going, "Hey, you piece of trash! Now I'm the number one contender." Austin is, is the one, and he's won because you know Vince is so silly that he was so he arrogant. Yeah. He overlooked that. Austin wins. Everybody happy. Cool. That's fine. That Except that's all right. Immediately after winning, finally after getting screwed over by Vince McMahon, you know he got really embarrassed at Royal Rumble. Austin decides, actually, Vince, what I want more than this is to def- is to put my chance at going to WrestleMania on the line in a steel cage match against you because he wants to beat up Vince so bad. Yeah. So if Austin wins it and then immediately he's like, oh, I'm so happy I've won it, I'm going to offer it back to you, basically. I don't know, that's probably just Austin being like, I know I can beat Vince in a cage. Yeah, you know, but after he did that, took that approach before and he got yeah, fucked over in the Rumble, like, true. I mean, it's just, it's, for me, it was just kind of like, you know, if it was Vince had to defend his title against Austin yeah, in the Rumble because yeah. of some contract thing. And that's what they kind of make it out of, but it's not. It's no, Vince... I had no idea that's how it was. It was the Vince, other way around. Vince, like an Egypt you know gives away his rumble spot and then Austin like an Egypt gives him a chance to get it back so yeah. just from a logic point of view it's silly it's it's pretty blatant isn't it that they know that they're going in a different direction with Austin being against someone else now and they want to quickly wrap up the McMahon thing yeah. like give it a little proper conclusion yeah. on this as quick as possible and I mean and I, I don't think the fans were going to grumble to no and I think no. the reason why I mean I'm, I know went off in a big fucking rant there or whatever the reason why no one really cares or even really remembers us about this is because it's like fuck me Austin and McMahon in a cage finally this is going to be insane. Yeah. And that's why people don't care about the specifics. And the promo package does a excellent job of building so up So good. So, so good. You get, literally, I, I'm going to say this is probably my favourite shot in all of wrestling ever. Uh, and Jim Ross really put it well, because he says this one shot sums up the entire McMahon-Austin angle completely. It's the famous one of Austin being held in the corner by the boss man. Oh, and yeah. Vince over him, like, sc- I think we've talked about it before on the yeah. podcast, and Vince screaming in his face, but... That literally defines like this entire Austin feud. had had to run a corporate gauntlet, so he had to face every member of the corporation, including China, Kane, all that. And he got right to the end, and then Bossman decked him with a nightstick, and Vince went in, got took his pin. top off, and then pinned him. <laughs> I love as well that when, the, when, he, when he pinned him, the announcers went, defeating Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> yeah. I love that, you know, when like, some, like it was like Mankind with the Mandible Claw thing. The winner via the Mandible yeah. Claw. It's like, oh, it is special. We'll, we'll make it, yeah. you know. Uh, but then, yeah, they, they put Austin in the corner, and just Vince is just covered in beer, and he's just screaming, and like, all the spit and stuff. Mm. And actually, what strikes me most about it is that Austin, no, he doesn't corpse, but Austin, you can tell he has this bewildered look in his eyes. He's yeah. kind of like, he's like, Jesus. He's angry. And you'd expect you'd expect Austin to be kind of like, oh, fuck you, you piece of trash. But instead, he's kind of like, 
whoa, this guy is insane. Like, yeah. I, I can't believe How am I going to get myself out of this one? Yeah. And I love that, yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of a lot of hype going into this match. And we get that amazing build-up of hype from that brilliant promo. And then we get to watch five minutes of men assembling a cage. The yeah. cage masters are back. <laughs> yeah. Good lord, these fucking greasy carnies. Where did they get these toothless wonders? Why are they taking so fucking long? While they're I tell you it? why, they haven't gotten their crystal meth yet. <laughs> Serious, Trevor Phillips Industries setting this shit up here. While they're building the cages, while you get just my Michael Cole and Jerry just chatting and Michael Cole's going well that's right King Mr. McMahon has guaranteed that's the Western Union airship there Mr. McMahon has guaranteed just literally just chatting with each other it's so bad King's voice is fucked in this as well which... that's right Michael I couldn't agree more <laughs> <laughs> yeah I suppose it's it's I love the old school cage. The oh, old the school black thick bars look so black cool. bars on this. Yeah. Looks really really cool. fits the, the whole motif that we're, we're kind An of An angry going. looking cage. It is. It's an evil cage. It's the it? only cage for this feud. Obviously the crux of that is that it gets set up by putting it up side by side as opposed to being lowered down so it takes a little bit longer which mm. is you know, a bit of a shame. That being said I think it's it's the best kind of cage. Oh, it is. I miss these cages so bad. So, we get Vince coming out to the No Chance music. Yeah, he's kind of going, I think I like this. I'll do yeah. this for the next 15 to 16 years. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's uh, quite fitting. So, yeah, Austin comes out, massive pop, goes to the four corners, climbs up the cage. Yeah. You can tell straight away Austin has the audience in the palm of his, mm. the palm of his hand. Uh, Michael Cole says that Steve Austin is like a caged animal. Literally. <laughs> so close you nearly had it that time Michael even if you said the word right it would still be wrong because he's not literally a caged no, animal he's, he's a grown ass man we get Vince stalling a lot at the start you know kind of making trying to go in trying to go out yeah. we get, you know we get, we get that Austin just kind of you know flips over and they start the chase and mm. you get to see one of the most perplexing sights in all of wrestling Vince McMahon, as we said before, Ico Pro, big dude, big massive motherfucker. He looks like he's in good shape, works out. Hmm. But when that man runs, yep. Jesus Christ, I've seen kids on a hailers run with more grace than this. <laughs> <laughs> it is like watching a deli counter run across the his big greasy meat man fucking bumbling his way around. But yeah, we got the other chase. You can tell they're just trying to kind of draw it out and whatnot. Austin feigns an injury, holding the leg, and straight away Vince is like, yeah, you know. <laughs> Which I love, because Vince is like, he's a coward, but like yeah. the second he thinks that he's got anything in his yeah. way, he's like mm. super confident on the attack. I love that. It's all a ploy. Austin thundergunned his ass. The look of <laughs> joy on Austin's face. Like, he, he starts beating up McMahon and he's got this big, massive grin and he's looking at the crowd like, here we go, guys. Yeah. Finally time. Crowd go ape shit. Yeah. Throws Vince over the announcer's table. Bops him with everything that's that's not nailed down. And then Michael... I've, I've really been picking on Michael Cole in this one. Rightfully this so. This been more noticeable. But yeah. It's been really noticeable. Again, I think it's because King is trying to yeah. conserve his voice. But he gets hit with a fan, right? A little tiny desk fan, if you saw that there. Yeah. And then Michael Cole goes, Vince's one fan just hit him in the head. Boo! Get off, Michael Cole. Go Fuck home. the police. <laughs> yeah, that's right, I said it. I implied that the only fan he had was actually a desk fan. We get Shades of Rumble then as Vince McMahon starts pegging it up the rampway. Jerry Lawler suggests that maybe he goes to the women's bathroom again. <laughs> which is, I assume, that's like the corporate clubhouse. Like, yeah, that's their hangout. You know, Tess is just there playing dream phone. Like, <laughs> I know who it is, but I'm not telling. Ha ha. <laughs> okay. All my life I've wanted to make a dream phone reference on a wrestling podcast. Basically, Vince tumbles back. 
Austin gets his hands on him and we get a very, very long, protracted beatdown. Although mm. neither man actually enters the cage at any point. Start going around, banging him off the cage, climbing up, and then we get, this is insanity. Vince McMahon goes off the top of the oh cage. He's got to be 20 feet off the floor. No! No! Mr. McMahon! Kyle! He may be dead! Mr. McMahon, down 20 feet! McMahon, down 20 feet! Off the steel cage! Through the Spanish announce table! So you see, Vince McMahon goes off the top of the cage through the Spanish announce table. Such but a... he doesn't go straight through the announce table. It's an awkward landing. He hits cause... it and then it breaks. Yeah, normally you, you hit it and it collapses and breaks. You fall on the way down. What happens is he hits it, bounces up a little bit, and then when he goes back down again, then it breaks. Oh. It looks so painful. He got really injured with this, apparently. He fucked up his tailbone, like, really I'm badly. I'm not surprised. And apparently Austin had said, and he said in documentaries and stuff, that it was like, you know, he didn't want Vince to do it because he thought the match had enough spots in it. Mm. But Vince was like, no, people expect... You know, a, a big spot in a match like this. Yeah, fair it's, play to it. So, so much respect for Yo, Vince. Vince is that. in his fifties here. Yeah, you know, There's literally no need for this him is, to get I mean, involved like that. He's like, 50, you know, I love. He's like fifty-four. I know. Yeah. You know, I love. Terry Funk's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. You know, people are always kind of go, "Wow, Terry Funk." You know, taking a big bump like that. That's you know, and people are always kind of like, "Wow, that's amazing." And when Vince does it, it's like, "Wow, I didn't expect Vince to do it." Now Terry Funk, I love him. He's amazing. But Terry Funk's actually a wrestler. He's a wrestler, yeah. And he'd been a wrestler all his life. You know, when he was wrestling in his fifties, he had been doing it nonstop for like forty years. Yeah. Vince started wrestling a couple of months ago for the purposes of storylines, and he's jumping off a cage. How much more hands-on can a, a boss be? Like seriously, yeah. I honestly, both Vince and Shane, in terms of the risks that they took, uh, do not get the, the credit, credit yeah. because I don't care what anyone says. Kind of, oh, Vince should do it because you know he should muck in with the guys. He's going to be destroyed. At the end of the day. It's his fucking company. He can do, do what, what he wants. wants. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if Vince was like, actually, you know what? I'm not going to jump off the cage because I own the company and no I don't want to. No one's going to if he does that. Yeah, he's, he can, he's not answerable to anyone else. No. That's, That's the amazing part. He can do whatever he wants and this is clearly what he wants to do. And I've got so much respect for that. It's amazing. Really, really amazing. Uh, then Michael Cole goes, Vince McMahon, he may be dead. <laughs> <laughs> Despite because he's there, like waving his arms in the air and all that. But uh, Vince gets slowered onto the gurney and starts to be slowly taken off. Austin grabs the microphone before Fink can announce him as the winner yeah. and uh, has a few words. So basically, Austin is saying because the bell is not, uh, his bloodlust has not been satiated, <laughs> that he wants the match to continue. Well, he the asks, match hasn't even started. Of course. And he says, yeah. uh, Is that son of a bitch breathing? You can see Vince grab the, 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 the arm of one of the referees. <laughs> please like, don't let me. <laughs> <he's just> like, <laughs> please. No. <laughs> and it's brilliant because they start wheeling Vince away and then Austin catches up to him and he literally picks off each person one by one. Like He grabs one of the paramedics, punch in the face, grab the referee, throw him to one side and then the last guy just like looks like Steve and just walks away. <laughs> I just love like, I mean, you know, we've always talked about you know, how the fact that they're much better, you know, they look after the guys a lot more now because of advances in, in medical science and whatnot. You'll never get an angle like this where they're kind of like, that son of a bitch is breathing, he's going to wrestle. Off the gun, I just, yeah. I love how fucking 90s it is. Yeah. Like just how kind of, there's no kind of boundaries of, oh, this might be bad taste if someone rips a guy, a 55-year-old man off a gurney. Fuck it, no, he's going to do it because he's Austin. Yeah. I love that. So they finally enter the cage and the bell rings and Austin's manhood forbids him from leaving. He beats the shit out of Vince he's like Vince is left dead and then uh, Austin goes to leave and Vince just starts giving him the finger yeah. why couldn't Austin just put his foot on the ground and go back in cause wrestling it's oh, a very good point I'd not even consider because he does it a couple Billy, of times Billy how come the guys don't come back into the rumble and help Vince McMahon <laughs> <laughs> 
Vince McRusso will have some words for you, my <laughs> friend. Most of them being, I swear to God. The inner uh, wrestling fan of me is just kind of going, why Why is Austin again? He knows how screwy Vince is. Yeah. Why is he kind of going, no, I'm why, is pretty he, why sure. would he leave it to chance? This, we already um, know there's no chance in hell. Why would he leave it to <laughs> The last time we'll uh, pick on King for the night here, I think, but he says something so strange. It's just um Cole goes, Stone Cold's pride is on the line here, King. And King just goes, Pride! <laughs> what? Yeah. You, don't, you don't notice that? No! His sore throat just goes, Pride! You're just saying his favourite UFC uh, <laughs> offshoot. <laughs> yeah. One thing that's quite noticeable at this point uh, is that Austin is fucking bellowing spots with Vince. Yeah. The two in the air kind of go, what do you want to do now? Vince is like, what? <laughs> He's got blood in his ears. Yeah, Austin, ah. like, Austin, what I love as well is that, like, you know, he starts slamming Vince against the cage and Vince, you know, kicks himself and he's, he starts playing and Austin goes down you're doing his Austin, you know, in yeah. your face. He's like, oh, you piece of trash. Okay, the next spot is the, <laughs> you no good, mother. you know, uh, I thought that was, was particularly funny. So, you know, Austin has killed Vince again and he goes to leave again and then we get I know you mentioned earlier you thought one of your favourite images ever to, to sum up the edge there was Vince in Austin's face. Mm. I think another image that is almost up there is Vince McMahon on his knees, <laughs> blood flowing down his face. Crying. With, with crying with the two fingers yeah. just going like this. And when he when he's just laying there like that, uh, this is one of the, the lines from earlier was in my head where, where Jerry goes, if every grain of sand in the Sahara Desert had the word hate written on it, it still would not equal the amount of hate Vince McMahon has for Steve Austin. Yeah. And it's just at that moment, you're just like... It's, it's brilliant, brilliant because he's giving him the fingers and everything, but he's not mouthing off anymore. He's literally just crying, going... His okay, mouth is yeah. open, the blood is flowing in. Yeah. He's just like a complete mess. Austin goes in and lifts up the finger to salute the fans and he gives Vince the stunner. Probably the best uh, stunner that Vince has ever taken. Yeah. Not saying much. But Not yeah. saying much, but uh, all of a sudden, as if it was some master plan all along, King! King, that's that's Paul White! Right. He's huge! <laughs> Can, all right. I want to know some context. About this. Big Nasty Paul White For coming Big Nasty Paul White, because this is possibly the most lukewarm debut <laughs> I have ever seen. This is the most mediocre debut I have ever seen. Come on, Kevin. So I would like to know the context of Big Nasty leaving WCW and coming here All right. and, and doing so, this. So, Please explain. So Big Tasty Paul White comes up. <laughs> big Tasty Big Nasty Breakfast. <laughs> Honestly, you're you're trying to make out like there's some sort of big amazing thing. There isn't. He he had a contract in WCW. They were losing him less and less. He was kind of marginalised in one of the NWO groups. And you know, his contract came up. He signed with Vince. The signing at the time, to this day, I think is one of the biggest ever like one-off signings. He was signed to a million-dollar contract. Uh, so which was for many years, Big Show was one of the highest-paid guys in the company, even though it didn't seem like that on the card. But he literally just got signed, and they just they debuted him. But I think what me and Billy are talking about more is like, did he not appear on Raw at least no. once? This is this literally is his this first appearance. This, this is it. it Fuck was, me. Will it fans have will fans have known? It was known that he was a fr- I mean, he was the giant of WCW. Yeah. It was known because WCW are always very fucking ham-fisted with their approach to these things. It was known that he was no longer with WCW. But it was not known that he I believe be, as be some people shit. some people said that on the time it was reported on the dirt sheets before the pay-per-view that Paul White would be coming but I mean again it's it is not exactly I mean he was a big fucking massive guy he's only in his 20s mm. massive yeah. upside WCW never remotely tapped into his potential so I mean it was hardly a surprise that he was showing up that being said the debut here Paul White tears through the ring picks up Steve Austin and helps him win the match yeah, yeah. it's it's 
like why would you even in terms of storyline why would you even continue having him as part of the corporation this guy just he fucked up on his Vince, first day Vince brought this guy in it really is analogous for his whole career isn't like, it it's like, like yeah. oh he fucked up but Jesus he's huge yeah, yeah like, <laughs> that is big shit like, yeah. it's, it's almost like they buried the guy immediately as sort of like he's come in and fucked everything up yeah. the idea was supposed to be was that like, they kind of go with it you'll get it at Wrestlemania as well the idea being that he's like he doesn't know his own strength and he's like real uncaged animal and Vince is kind of I think Vince reckons that Big Show is going to be in his pocket, but he can actually, mold him. Yeah. yeah, but actually, you know, Big Show is, is can't be controlled. That's what they're trying to get over here. And I think they're trying to get over obviously his, his scary strength by throwing Austin through the cage. But really, what happens is he throws Austin onto the cage, and Austin just kind of Donkey Kong countries his way. Yeah, yeah. The, the door swings open, and Austin's just like, "Oh, sweet!" and just lets go. He's and then fine. He, he picks up the barrel that has Mo Darwich in it, and he's, <laughs> uh, he's, he's sorted. But lukewarm debut for Paul White because Austin has a look on his face which seems to be kind of oh I won yeah which is you know it's quite possibly the worst debut I've ever seen really bad really really bad it it was kind of I remember at the time people was kind of like oh yeah he debuted when he came up through the cage and you know he broke the cage door but people seem to forget the important factor of me that his debut he ensured that Steve Austin went to Wrestlemania yeah (laughs) when he wasn't meant to Really, kind of, kind of screwy. Vince has a look on his face, uh, which is to say, like, "Oh my god, no!" He's like bawling. I, like. I do like that, even though, yeah, it's a shitty debut for Paul White. I do like that Vince is like, "Oh well, at least Paul White will save me," and even that fucks up. Yeah. So it's like, oh, yeah. "I'll never be I, Austin." Austin on the floor, though, he doesn't look like much of a winner. He just has this kind of like, "Shit, that was close." <laughs> <laughs> and Big Show is just kind of like, "Oh, I did it. I really blew it." <laughs> the Big Show, just, of course, looks like a lion from the Lion Witch of the Wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> or a lion bar. He's a big fat fuck here. Jesus, yeah. the size of. So a big nasty Paul White uh, is now a member of the corporation. But more importantly, well, obviously, what we know now with uh, the Rock securing the belt shortly thereafter on Raw, main event for WrestleMania 15 or our next our next our next episode. The main event is said it's now going to be Stone Cold Steve Austin versus the Rock. Very fucking backwards way for to the get belt. there. Yeah. Because uh, this is like your first kind of this isn't typical, basically. Billy, if I was saying, usually someone wins the Royal Rumble and then goes to WrestleMania. They don't go backwards. It's not a game of tennis like this. <laughs> this is. I guess uh, if Austin won the Rumble and went straight on to fight the Rock at WrestleMania, they wouldn't have had the chance to wrap up the Austin McMahon thing True. with this nice little match. So it is pretty cool. I it's suppose. backwards, but it worked in the the, the favor of getting this match. And out. Austin and Rock have been kept apart for so long. It's kind of you knew this is where it was going, and this is the the big match that everyone wants yeah. to see. That being said, the one concern you may have at this moment is what about poor old Mick Foley? Yeah, and what about this seven foot two monster they've oh, just no. debuted? No, so. No. No, I'm not telling you not to get excited, but the next but WrestleMania. I've already heard from several people that WrestleMania 15 is one of the the worst well pay per views of all time. So as far as raging climaxes go, <laughs> uh, but Just anyway, context. Sorry, that is the tagline of the WrestleMania. Kevin's not being a big weirdo. No, no, that's, that's the, the tagline. Tag but anyway, that's going to do it uh, for this edition. The only thing we have to ask now, guys, is for your match of the night. And MVP, Adam, match of the night. Undoubtedly, uh, Rock vs. Mankind. I gushed over it enough earlier. I explained why I love it, but seriously, what a great career. Yeah. Perfect. MVP, again, really easy. Vince McMahon, I have so much respect for him getting so involved. Yeah. Blading himself, jumping off the top of the cage, getting the living shit knocked out of him. And just literally, what an amazing man for getting involved so heavily like this. Definitely. Really I, cool. I actually 
before I asked Billy, I'm actually exactly the same as you because, yeah. I mean, as I said, Rock Foley, one of my favourite feuds ever, and Austin McMahon, I th even though it's not my favourite, I admit it is the best feud in wrestling ever. Yeah. And this match is like one of the highlight moments of it. And Vince McMahon, considering, you know, he knows so little here, you know, he, I mean, he goes on to pick up a move or a spot or two down the line. This is the lowly days though. He can barely throw a punch here. Amazing performance. Yeah. Billy, match of the night, MVP. Exactly the same. Hooray, you were unanimous. A full set. Is that the first time? Second time. Second time since King of the Ring. Yeah, Completely we all agree. Yeah. There you go. Valentine's Day Massacre. Overall, pretty good pay-per-view. Yeah, pretty, pretty not bad. Um, a couple of missteps. Uh, the main problems, though, isn't seem to be what's happening in the ring. It it's seems to be some kind of questionable, well, why are you do? Why are you booking it yeah. this way? Motivations are Yeah, little, little yeah. things like the Val Venus-Shamrock match would have been good were it not for the ridiculous story going into it. Which is a shame because, I mean, with the Adage era, the, the, the strength is usually that most of the guys are involved in storylines. So I suppose when just kind of things that just are like, oh, why would you do that? This seems so illogical. That really just sticks out yeah, in these moments. Yeah, one thing being involved in storylines, but you have to be involved in good storylines. Just having storylines doesn't make it okay. Yeah, so we've got all these weird changes coming up for WrestleMania as well. It's going to be a bit of a strange one. I'm excited. I'm really excited for WrestleMania. Yeah. Hey, our first year. First year of the podcast. First year of the podcast. Nearly done. All we have to do is thank you very much for listening to this edition of the Attitude Era podcast. Apologies for my snivels. And if you are on Twitter, make sure you follow us at AE Podcast. Be sure to check out our article coming out in Calling Spots wrestling fanzine also be sure to check us out on botchmania.com if you're on iTunes Stitcher or SoundCloud particularly iTunes leave a rating or review make sure you subscribe to get all our episodes direct and of course facebook.com give us a like on Facebook loads of activity going on over there we, we have made it things. we're making a concerted effort to make that a more active kind of community because we actually yeah. had fun art for the first time ever there the other so day cool. Screaming Popcorn made a hardcore fish in a big pond and we absolutely <laughs> love it yeah, so, yeah. that's amazing so thanks very much guys for listening to the Attitude podcast that's a goodbye from me Kevin me Adam and me Billy we'll see you at Wrestlemania 15 <laughs> the raging climax <laughs> uh. Lick it, suck it. 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 In a big pond, I call fish. Lift down, lift down. I call fish. In a big pond, I call fish. Here's the man, here's the man. I call fish. In a big pond, I call fish. Suck it, lick it. I call fish. In a big pond, I call fish. Lick it, suck it. I call fish. In a big pond, I call fish. I call fish. In a big pond. Busy. Diggity, diggity, diggity. Lift down. I'd call, I'd call, I'd call fish, 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 fish. Fish. Fish.